0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living.
1: The greatest lesson from this is to the church, is to the leadership in the church, that we do not become like the temple treasury, that we don't take money in, see people benefit from it like the chief priest and the high priest did, and that there would be poor widows and really struggling people that are among us. That's the real lesson that we learn from this text. It's an atrocity that this woman was poor because she is a widow.
0: Jesus has a lot of encouraging things to say about giving. And rather than shy away from or avoid a topic that might be unpopular with some, we want to share the good news and blessings that come when we give with a generous heart. With more on giving from Jesus' perspective and the incredible story of a widow who gave all she had. Here's Robert Furrow with Mark 12, 41 through 44.
1: Father, thank you so much for your word. It is rich, it is powerful, it is profound, it is meaningful, it is challenging, it is life changing. We want to thank you that we have been entrusted with your word. We want to thank you that you have preserved it from generations to generations. We want to thank you for the thousands of manuscripts and the men who study manuscript evidence, who have put these versions of our Bibles together so that we can be confident that we have the essence of the Word of God that's in front of us. We pray that you would speak to each of us today in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The title of our message today is Amazing Things That Jesus Says About Giving. And if you're visiting here for the first time, you might be going, oh, no, I go to church and they talk about giving. But I want to just, you know, I want to just help you now. This is not about dig deeper. You guys need to give. We have a need. You rotten, stinking Christians who don't give. It's not that kind of a message, all right? This is a message that hopefully will be encouraging by these amazing, because Jesus had a different take on giving. And when we look at the different teachings that Jesus gives us, it has a tendency to encourage us that we would be a blessing to people that we come into contact with and people that we know that are in need and people who need to enter into heaven. So that's what we find as we begin to look at these seven amazing things that Jesus taught about giving. In Galatians 2.16, it says we are no longer under the law. And I just wanna touch on this briefly. We are no longer under the law of tithing. I realize there are plenty of people who argue with that, but the Bible says we're not under the law. Do you know that we are not even under the Ten Commandments? We're not under that part of the law. But every one of the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue is reiterated, except for the Sabbath day, because Jesus is our Sabbath. And so we are not under that law. And I realize people will say, well, Abraham tithed, and so it predates the law. Well, that's fine, but that was a principle. And it's a principle for us too it's a good place for us to be to say i think i want to tithe if you want to tithe tithe that's great but the bible in the new testament says determine what you're going to give let no one lay heavy burdens on you about giving uh jesus said there are people who lay heavy burdens and won't with one finger begin to lift them but you pray you determine what you're going to give so all of this is in that backdrop So in Mark 12, 41 through 44, we have this appointment that Jesus has in the treasury in the temple. This is where people come in and give their money in the temple. And Jesus sits down and watches them give. Listen to what it says. Mark 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Notice he saw how they put money into the treasury. Were they prideful? Did they wave their money around before they put it in? Don't think that doesn't happen. Did they blow a trumpet before they put their money in? As important as us giving is how we give to be sure. And then he says this, and many who were rich put in much. There's a lot of money given. Maybe they were announcing how much they were giving as they were putting it in. Jesus warned against this kind of stuff. It happened. And so maybe there were a lot giving it. And so the next line is shocking. The next line should take us back. So one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes quadrants. Now, you know what two mites is and a quadrant is, so I don't need to cover that. I'm actually not going to cover it because it really is like a penny. With inflation in it, it's about one cent. A mite would be about a half a cent in today's money, as near as we can tell. All right. So it's just very insignificant. But that's not the shocking part. He's going to talk about her giving everything she had, but that's not the point of this. The point is, is that under the law, God had given them strict guidelines about how the treasury was to be used to help widows and orphans and to help the poor among them. There was not supposed to be poor widows. And so if Jesus is watching men put in a lot of money, the fact that there's a poor widow that follows them is an indictment against the system. When the temple was raided in 70 AD, they found the equivalent to what would be billions of dollars in the treasury. And yet there were poor widows and orphans in Jerusalem who should have been taken care of. The greatest lesson from this is to the church, is to the leadership in the church, that we do not become like the temple treasury, that we don't take money in see people benefit from it like the chief priest and the high priest did and that there would be poor widows and really struggling people that are among us. That's the real lesson that we learn from this text. It's an atrocity that this woman was poor because she is a widow. What did James tell us? Pure and undefiled religion is taking care of widows and orphans. God is pleased with that. God, Jesus was not pleased with this, I am persuaded. It says, 43, so he called his disciples to him himself and said, assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all of the others have given in this treasury. Now, this tells us that the amount of that what we give isn't important, but what we give in relationship to what we have. So don't let anybody try to tell you that the amount is important because there are plenty of people who do. It says, for they all put out of their abundance, but she put uh, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now I have heard people say that Jesus was upset that this woman did that. I, I don't know. I, I, think it's really, I think it's really hard to speak for Jesus when we don't know. And I always cringe a little bit when a pastor says, well, it doesn't say that Jesus was upset, but I know he was. It's like, oh, you have special insight, do you? I don't, I don't know what Jesus was thinking. But this I know, God rewards when people give. And I think that God saw that poor woman give and he rewarded that poor woman. That's my personal opinion. I don't think that he was appalled. Whether or not she should have thrown in her pennies there, she wasn't giving them to the treasury where money was being misused. She was giving them to God out of a pure heart. And this tells us that even if you are struggling financially, even if you are going through difficulty, that you can determine to give what you can afford to give. And if that is a percentage that hurts you a little bit, then okay. If it's a percentage that doesn't, okay. We determine now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, what we are going to give. That way you cannot be manipulated by any church you go to or any event that you go to that gives you a sad story that gives you an account of these horrible things that are happening that makes you dig in deeper to be able to give. If you want to, fine. There's nothing wrong with telling people needs. A church can certainly say, hey, look, we've got a need. We'd like to know if you guys would be involved in it, but then you get to determine whether or not you're going to give. And I generally don't like sad stories that are connected with it because it is, to me, a form of manipulation. It's not a problem. You know, if people want to tell a sad story, read a sad letter, whatever they want to do, I just want you guys to know that there can be manipulation in those things. They're trying to use uh, your emotions to get you to really dig in. And sometimes that's appropriate. Maybe when we're talking about something like abortion or something that we are, or sex trafficking, things that we might not really know about all that well, things we might want to kind of plug our ears, we don't want to hear about it. And then when we hear a story that strikes us, then certainly that could be okay. But this tells us that any amount that you give, God uses. Paul was collecting an offering from the Corinthians to take to Jerusalem, which had a lot of poor and suffering Christians in it, Jewish Christians. The Gentiles were in Corinth. And Paul says, have your gift ready for me when I get there, and God will multiply the gift you give. So you might think, well, if I can only give a few dollars, what does that mean towards the need of sharing the gospel? It means everything. Because Jesus took two fish and five loaves and fed 5,000. He multiplied that gift from that little boy. And whatever gift you give, God could multiply it. And if God multiplies it, then you get more of a reward for what you have given. The second amazing thing that Jesus says about giving is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is in the Sermon on the Plain. You have the Sermon on the Mount and you've got the Sermon on the Plain. And in this particular point, it's all the amazing teachings of Jesus. But at this certain point, Jesus is going through rapid fire, just telling us as Christians what we need to do. Don't judge people. He's just going through this just kind of rapid fire stuff. And he gets to this and he says, give. This is Luke six thirty eight. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He gives us this New Testament principle, which he introduced, and Paul talked about later, that if we give sparingly, we'll receive sparingly. If we give abundantly, we'll receive abundantly. These verses are not here to appeal to your greed, like the uh, television evangelists like to do. You want to be rich? God's given me a hundredfold blessing, and if you give to me, you'll get rich. The more you give, the more you get. Give until it hurts. Put it on a credit card. You can't afford to get your credit cards off. All of this is nonsense. All of this doesn't care about the people that he's talking to. We wanna make sure that when we give, first of all, we are being good stewards of the money that God has emplaced into our care. Whatever finances you have, small or great, you are a steward of those finances. And you, I'm gonna talk to the men now, and I'm gonna kinda get old-fashioned on you, okay? I'm gonna go back to my Iowa accent, all right? That's where I'm, well, I was born. And, um, you know, the Bible says, and this is an often quoted in the past, not quoted much now, but if a man doesn't provide for his family, the Bible says that man should not eat. You have a responsibility for providing for your family. So when you're looking at your finances and you're looking at giving, being a refreshing person and helping people around you, you want to make sure that you are being a good steward of of what you have. That means, hey, there's a couple of things. You should have some money in reserve while you're giving, giving during it, you're determining what you can give, be working on making sure that you've got a reserve. They say you should have about three months of reserve ready in case there's a crisis in your savings. And so you start to add up what you make in reserves. You go, oh, well, wow, I don't know if I can get that much. Oh, you can. It's got to be diligent. It's gotta, you do it. You want to be healthy. You've got that responsibility. Also, I think as we talk about giving We need to understand that our retirements are okay to look into and to have a good retirement as long as that doesn't get out of hand. We could fall into the trap of stacking up treasure here on earth, just gotta get more, gotta get more, gotta get more, but we wanna be good stewards. I wanna be a good steward with my retirement that if something happens to me and I can't preach anymore, that we've got things taken care of in my retirement to take care of Kathy. That's a responsibility that I have and that's a responsibility that we all have. So Jesus says, in the light of all those other teachings, remember we want to take all the teachings of the Bible together, in the light of all the other teachings, if you give, it's going to be given back to you. This isn't to appeal to your greed, it's to appeal to your generosity, that you know I can be a generous person. I can be generous when I'm giving to a charity. I can be generous when I'm giving to the poor. I can be generous when it's happened organically and I've run into someone that has need and I want to give them something to help them. Or someone else has organically put something together to help someone who is in need. I can be generous when I give to the church, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can be generous. However, you want to make sure that you're taking care of your responsibilities. But when you are generous, God gives back to you. In other words, he's saying it's okay to give. It's okay to be generous. Live generously. Given it will be given back to you. The fourth amazing, that's where I'm at, the fourth amazing thing that he said, I didn't write that down in my notes, I'm going to be struggling with that all day. The fourth amazing thing that he said is in Acts 20:35, and we never have this recorded in the, the four Gospels, but Paul says it. And Paul is with the Ephesian elders on the shore. It's where he cries in front of them and says, I know that when I'm leaving you, ravenous wolves are going to come in here and they're going to devour, they're going to devour you. I know that men are going to rise up in your presence that are going to draw people to themselves. And then he says to them in verse 35, Acts 20, 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. In other words, Paul and Paul lived in Ephesus longer than anywhere else. A couple of different times over two years, and Paul says, I have shown you by example to take care of the weak. When we look at the people around us and we find those are weak and those who are struggling, it may not just be financially that we support them, but we, we support them in other ways. The Bible talks about a godly man being a friend with the humble. There may be people that other people would say, I don't really want to be involved with them. But when we go out of our way and we find someone who is a humble person and we reach out to help them, God honors us for that. Here's what he says. I have shown you by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of Jesus. As he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. What a statement. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I don't know if you've ever received a great kindness financially, but it's very powerful. When we left Albuquerque to come to Tucson, we had a business. We had about 12 employees. I hired a manager. The accountant would put all of the, all of the tax that we would collect from the employees, put them in the report that he would give him. He was supposed to cut a check. There was a stamped envelope in there. He was supposed to cut a check and send it off to the IRS. At the same time, we're here, the church is starting. I'm calling him up and saying, what do we got in the bank? What are we doing? And and, and it's, we're doing really good. We're doing better without me there than me there. And so I'm saying, well, go, yes, send me, you know, send me $1,000 this week. That's great. Until we find out a little while later that he was not sending in money we had collected from our 12 employees. Now, if you think the IRS gets upset at you when you don't pay your taxes... Wait until you collect money from someone else and you don't send it in. So we owed $17,000 by the time that we figured it out. With interest and penalties, it was over $50,000 that we owed. We made a certain amount from the church here, but the church was starting and they weren't paying us a lot. And we had to pay at that time, this is in the 80s, $500 a month. And we were still not paying enough. It wasn't keeping up with the penalties and interest. They were sending me letters that they were going to throw me in jail. Me and and, and my wife, Lisa, had thought about filing bankruptcy, but we felt like that was a way the enemy could attack us in our ministry, that we had to trust God to be able to get us out of here. And my my father-in-law, who is a stepfather to Lisa, who didn't really like me, when we went to go visit, said, um, hey, you still got that problem going on with the IRS? And I said, yeah. And he goes, have they given you an opportunity for an offer of compromise? you could offer them a certain amount of money to wipe the debt completely out, if you could get the money. And I couldn't borrow money, it was a $20,000 offer, but that was like, that might as well have been a million for me. My credit was messed up, I wasn't gonna get, I wasn't gonna borrow $20,000 from anybody. And, he's, and he was a CPA who ran several people's um, estates, and he said, well, I've got one individual who will lend you $20,000 at this rate. And I was blown away. We were able to borrow that money, it was a payment that we could afford to make. We were able to pay off the IRS, which from that point on, by the way, I tell our CPA now, IRS proof my return. Give them more. Let them never come back because I never want to mess with them again because they were brutal. Threatened to throw me into jail several times because I couldn't pay. I was paying all I could because I couldn't pay anymore. But that was such a kindness. I was so moved from a man I didn't think liked me. And maybe he was doing it for his stepdaughter, all right, because he really liked her. Nevertheless, it was a great kindness showed to me, and I'll never forget it, because it was life-changing, and it's better for you to give than it is to receive. You guys have stories like this. You could tell stories of when someone had compassion on you and gave to you, and it's better for you to give than it is to receive. That's very powerful. Each time you reach out and you help somebody, it is better for you than when you have received something. What a great statement. The fourth, or fifth, thing Jesus says about giving is in Matthew 6, one through four. And here is one we're familiar with. He's telling us not to have spiritual pride. And you guys know that this is one of my pet peeves that I return to periodically, because I believe that the evangelical church has incorporated Phariseeism into it. We put our nose in the air. I love God so much and I wanna know why you guys don't read your Bible as much as I do. What'd you do last night? I read my Bible for four hours. Oh, a la-di-da. Good for you. I don't have time to hunt or fish or any other hobby because I'm always praying, witnessing, seeking God and doing spiritual things. Can you excuse me a second? (laughs) And Jesus tells us, stay as far away from that junk as you can. Don't have spiritual pride. Don't act superior to other people. And when you do those things, do them quietly so that no one sees them. So you'll receive a reward from God when you do it in secret. And so Jesus gives us that when he's talking about charitable deeds. And these charitable deeds would be to the poor, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Causes today could be to fight against abortion or to to fight against sex trafficking. These are some things that we can see today. And so he says... Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have your reward from your father who is in heaven. So when you, you know, told people about the great spiritual things you're doing, how long you pray. I'm so tired today. I prayed for five hours last night. It always amazes me, but they, it happens. It always amazes me when those things are happening. And I want to say, hello, Pharisee. How are you? He says, that's your reward. That when someone goes, wow, you're amazing, you prayed for five hours last night? That's amazing. You better really enjoy that praise, because that's your reward. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Can you imagine sounding a trumpet before you give so that you can receive glory from men? Listen, I've been a Christian for over 45 years. I met the Lord in, in, in 1974 when I was 13 years old and went through my whole teen years uh, really on fire for Christ. And I've seen so many different fundraising schemes. I've seen several of them where they come in and go, God told me. Five people here are going to give $5,000. So who is it? Who's going to give $5,000? Come on, show me. Who's God? God told me. So we're just going to do this. Tell you guys all respond. God told me. And one by one, people raise their hands. And you know what happens when a person raises their hands? Oh, it's amazing. You're giving $5,000. That person better enjoy that applause because that's their reward And they're doing this in order to get people seen. They're manipulating people, using the wrong motives to do it. And Jesus says, don't be like that. He said, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But then verse three, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret and your father sees you and rewards you openly. Something about faith. That when you give something, maybe even significant that you don't tell anybody. And you just go, this is between me and God, and God honors it. I have learned, and when people have liquidity events, a liquidity event is when all of a sudden you come into a bunch of money. When people have a liquidity events and they want to give a portion of that to the church, sometimes, this isn't the majority of the times, because every once in a while, I don't know who gives what at the church. They won't let me near the, 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 the tithes and offerings. And I never wanted to know who gave what, because I was afraid that if you gave a large donation, that I would see you next time in church. and go, oh, hi, how are you? Good to see you. (laughs) I I don't want any of that to enter in. So I've never known how much people give. And every once in a while, I'll get told when I'm given the report, here's where the church is financially. Here's what came in this last week. Every once in a while, I'm told there was a big gift given, by the way. And I like that because no one came and said, I want to give a big gift. When we were just starting, I had a call from somebody. I'd like to have lunch with Pastor Robert. Okay, so... I went and met him for lunch. So he sat down, he said, I'm going to give a big, large gift. I've come into some money and I'm going to give a large gift to the church. And I would like it to be used this way, that way, and this way, and that way. And he started to go over it all. By the time I was done with that lunch, I said, never again. When someone calls and says, I want to have a, a lunch, I find out why. I want to know why. Why do you want to have lunch with me? And if it's, well, because I'm going to give a large gift to the church, then we say, No. If you want to give it, you can give it, just go ahead and give it to the, you know, drop it in the agape box or, or go and donate it. But I'm not going to have lunch with people who do that because it's doing exactly against what Jesus said. When you give an offering to the church, to anything, when you do anything, don't let people see so people can pat you on your back. If that's why you want it, can I just don't give it. You're losing your reward, you're not getting any reward except that you might want somebody to know that you gave a great amount, and I want to let you know something, that's not a very good reward.
0: We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com.